We're going to be in Ezra chapter 4, verse 2. Ezra chapter 4, verse 2. Let me pray for us. Father God, we do give you thanks and praise for your word spoken and recorded. And Father, we confess that apart from your gracious aid, apart from the indwelling of your spirit, we would not understand it. We would be lost and it would remain foreign and we would remain incapable of knowing its meaning. But you are gracious and you are kind and so we pray that you would fill us up with your spirit now, that you would illuminate the eyes of our heart that you would unstop our ears, and that you would help us to understand your word and apply it in a way that glorifies the risen Lord, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have a devotional on church membership tonight. It's exciting. I'm excited about that. I thought I would wear my Michigan hoodie to help... you know, balance out Pastor Paul's excitement, help contain that some membership. Significant. It's huge. There are many groups and and clubs that you can become members of today. It's probably more true than it ever has been with the internet and social media. I belong to a particular Facebook group. Us old people, we still use Facebook. This is a really crazy Facebook group, you guys. Uh, There are lots of rules, strict rules. Uh, The most important rule is that you must post something relevant to the group once every six months, and it has to follow all of the rules of the group. And if you don't do this, I promise you the, the moderator will remove you. Uh, He's on it. Uh, We don't seem to bat an eye at rules and regulations. If you have a church membership or a a gym membership, you pay the dues, you go to the gym, you follow the rules. If you don't have the gym membership, you can't go in, and they're going to make sure you can't go in, and they're going to try even harder to sell you a gym membership. But for some reason... Even in many popular Christian circles, church membership gets a bad rap. It gets a bad rap. Church membership is actually frowned upon by many, even in the church. Well, fortunately for us, Scripture has a lot to say about church membership, even in the Old Testament, which is where we find ourselves in Ezra. So if you have your Bibles open to Ezra chapter 4, we are going to read, we're going to read the first five verses. Ezra chapter 4, verse 1. Follow with me. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esau Haddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel, Jeshua, and the rest of the heads of fathers' houses in Israel said to them, 
You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So I want to walk with you through four nuggets, four nuggets of church membership. They are nuggets as we see them in Ezra chapter 4, particularly verse 2. And that first nugget is that church membership is implied. Church membership is implied. The context uh, really defines that. In fact, the Bible in many places implies church membership. That's why we practice it here. And that's what we have here. It's implied church membership. Now, Zerubbabel is really positioned as the leader of the returned exiles. Well, who is Zerubbabel? You may recognize the name. Zerubbabel makes it into the genealogy of Matthew in the opening of the Gospel of Matthew. Zerubbabel is the grandson to Jeconiah. King Jeconiah was the very last king to serve on the throne of Israel before he was exiled to Babylon in 597 B.C. by King Nebuchadnezzar. Now we fast forward to the present day. Some time has passed. This moment here in Ezra 4.2 takes place in 538 B.C. It is the time that Cyrus, King Cyrus, the Persian, defeated the kingdom of Babylon. And once he rises to the throne, God puts it on his heart, a Gentile, God puts it on his heart to, be re to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And so King Cyrus issues this edict for the Jews to return to Jerusalem to do the work that God had tasked him to do. So that is what's happening here. That's the context. Zerubbabel. Jeshua the priest and all the exiles have returned to Jerusalem after the 70-year exile to build, to rebuild the church. And with that, you have to know who is in and who is not, which is why we have Ezra chapter 2. It's a whole chapter dedicated to defining the roles of the church. Every person is counted in Ezra Chapter 2, down to the very clan, down to the very person, 42,360 people in all. That is your church. The members are defined down to the man. So when we are reading along in our Bible, and God commands us in Hebrews 13 to submit to and obey your leaders... How can you know who your leaders are that you've committed to be under apart from church membership? Elders carry the authority of Scripture. How can you submit to that authority in the absence of a defined membership? It becomes nonsensical 
It's a nonsensical command if people aren't defined and committed. What are we doing here if we are not making that commitment? So, in Hebrews 13, 17, church membership is implied. The Bible loves to imply church membership. That's what's happening here in Ezra. How can you field the request to join the work so you have what Ezra calls adversaries in the land? These are people living in the land. They request, they want to, hey, let us build with you. We've been worshiping to Yahweh all of these years. Let us build with you. That's the request. How can you field that request unless you know who is in and by virtue of that, who is not? Once again, the Bible here assumes church membership. Point number two, church membership is guarded. Church membership is guarded. If the roles of the church must be defined, then it also must be protected and guarded. If you have your Bibles open, look there again at Ezra 4.2. Let's read it again. They, the adversaries, approached Zerubbabel, and the leaders, or the heads of fathers' houses, and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we've been sacrificing to him ever since the days of Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. So again, this is a request to the elders of the church. It's under false pretense. These people are called adversaries for a reason. They want to be allowed to partake in the privilege of rebuilding the church. So I think it's worth a moment to ask the question and answer the question, who are these adversaries? Well, they're the people currently dwelling in the land. So the exiles have returned to Jerusalem. It's not empty. There are people. Who are those people? Well, those people were put in the land when the northern kingdom of Israel fell to the Assyrian Empire. And we know, like the history books agree, in 670 B.C., Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, removed all of the Israelites and he replaced them with his own people. Now, things didn't go so well for them. They had all kinds of problems living in the land of Israel. So Esarhaddon, in his wisdom sent Levites and Hebrew priests to teach the people, his people, the religion and the customs of the land as sort of a good luck charm in hope that things would go better, that their fortunes would turn around. So on one hand, you know, they've been in the land offering sacrifices to Yahweh for 130 years. You know, when you're reading First and Second Kings and you're going through it, the passage of time doesn't really grab you. These people have been there for 130 years. But on the other hand, Yahweh was just one of many idols they worshipped. So these people are still idolaters. You know, they're speaking a half-truth under the pretense of ultimately frustrating the plan to rebuild the church. That's who they are. So this is why church membership must be guarded. This is why. The church needs to be guarded from false converts, people who say they worship the risen Christ, but really don't. This is the enemy of the church. 
It's been that way since the beginning. It continues to be that way today. False converts are infiltrating the church, infiltrating the membership. Every, nearly every epistle, maybe every epistle of, of the New Testament deals with this problem because it's such a pervasive problem. It is a main issue that's dealt with. Now, praise be to God that Zerubbabel and, and the rest of the leaders, they sniff out this plot. They know better. They sniff it out and they deny the request and then they back it with the authority of Cyrus's edict. The king of Persia is the highest law of the land and they know it. And for them, that's slamming down the gauntlet. You cannot join. And so Ezra 4 is a good example of elders, shepherds, overseers, even bishops. Whatever, whatever word you want to tie to it, this is elders uh, providing the role, the function of guarding, right? There are a number of, Pastor Paul has taught the four Gs. There, there's grazing, there's, there's gathering, there's, there's uh, uh, guiding, and then there's guarding. And that's what they're doing here. They're performing the function of guarding. And in the very same way, we as elders in the church, we vet potential members, and we only, we only submit them to you for your consideration only as long as they have faithful, incredible witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been faithful to attend and they agree with our statement of faith and our church covenant. Right? That's how we guard the membership of the church. Number three, third nugget. Church membership is a unique privilege. Church membership is a big deal. The Lord Jesus Christ bought your membership so that you could be covenanted and locked arms with us here in this place. So it, is, it isn't a club. This isn't a gym membership. It is the household of God, and it offers something that cannot be found anywhere else in the world in any other club. And you can see it right in the text. These guys want to build with the returned exiles, but what do they want to build? They want to build the temple of God. They want to build the temple of God. And, and that is a huge privilege, the most significant privilege. It is a great privilege to raise children. It is a great privilege to have a career, to be able to make money. It is a great privilege, you know, um, some people seek fame, power, reputation. These things are all privileges, but none of them eclipse the privilege of serving in the work of building the temple of God, which is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to how Paul puts it in Ephesians 2. I'm just going to read this for you. 2, 19 through 22. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but our fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, here it is, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. That's you. That's what you are. That's what we're participating inside of. It is a distinct privilege to partake in the building up of this body so that it builds itself up in love. 
And our temple work is the preaching. It's the teaching. It's our evangelism. It is loving one another with our spiritual giftedness and our time. And maybe time might be the most significant thing that you might bring to that temple work. And all of this requires the indwelling Holy Spirit. So it is impossible, impossible for unbelievers to participate in this privilege. It would just be an act, a charade. So this is unique to the church. And so protecting the purity of its membership is critical. But if the church does become clogged up with false converts who are incapable of participating in this temple work, it stunts the growth of the entire church, and the impact can be massive, even generational, as we'll see in our final point, nugget number four, church membership is for ministry. Church membership is for ministry. Coming back to Ezra 4.2, look there again. Their adversaries say, let us build with you. Let us build with you. See, here it is explicit that you are doing the temple building work described in the previous point, and the adversaries are seeking to frustrate that work. But while that is a big problem, it's not our only problem. Because if you keep reading on in Ezra 4, you come to verses 4 and 5, and you find that really the adversaries of Israel score a major win, and that guarding the church from false converts isn't enough because it's not the end of the job. Just jump down to verses 4 and 5. Look there in your Bibles. Then the people of the land, the adversaries, discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribe counselors against them to frustrate their purposes. All the days of King Cyrus, Cyrus king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Verse 5 is one of those verses that packs a lot of unspoken reality in time. That's because from Cyrus to Darius, you have the passage of about 20 years. And the rise of Darius is when the Lord sends the prophet Haggai. Remember the prophet Haggai? This is where Ezra and Haggai intersect. We don't get that from this text, but when you read Haggai, you come to understand that's what happens. The Lord sends Haggai to the exiles in Jerusalem because they've been doing nothing for 20 years. They were supposed to go there to rebuild the temple, but they haven't been. And what I want you to see here in this verse is that at first the people stopped building the temple because of fear. That is the first thing they run into that halts the work of the temple, fear and frustration. But that quickly gives away to the busyness of life because that's what Haggai finds when he shows up to Jerusalem the people have completely forgotten about rebuilding the temple because they've been building their own lives. That has been their focus. It's not building the church, it's building themselves up. Listen to Haggai 1.9 as we close. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. 
Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins while each of you busies himself with his own house. So look, while false converts infiltrating the church is a big problem, it is, ultimately, the church loses 20 years because of self-idolatry. People building their own homes while God's house, the greatest priority and privilege of your life, remains in tatters, in ruin. Now, it's true, right, again, that the work first stalls because of fear. Fear of risk. That's how it starts. Fear of risk. And that gives way to self-importance. And soon enough, it's no longer about fear. It's just about prioritizing self. And I wonder, does that hit home? Is there a fear that keeps you from taking a risk in ministry? And have, has the passage of time dulled that goal, that hope, that dream you once had for ministry? Right? That's how our sins and the outside world works against us in the work of building the temple of God. The temple work of loving one another is the greatest privilege of the Christian life. And church membership, church membership is for your ministry. It is for your ministry, participating in that work of loving one another. Everybody is capable of doing that. Everybody is equipped to be able to love your neighbor here in this church. There is no excuse for not being able to participate in that incredible privilege. Church membership is for your ministry in that work of building up the body, but do you prioritize your life like you believe it? Let's pray. Father God, we do give you thanks and praise for this example. Just as Tia mentioned earlier in this service, may we learn from the mistakes of the Israelites that we would not squander this opportunity to build up this holy temple in the Lord. This structure being joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is functioning properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself in up in love Help us, Father, to do that. Help us to build this temple up in love to the glory of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.